Welcome to... Hey, Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Crack Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. If it's a Monday, even though it's a Tuesday, you know what we're doing on this podcast. Another ATP Challenger, and this time, Grand Slam qualifying recap episode from Crack Rackets contributors Damian Kust and Jakob Babaro. On today's show, they offer their reactions to Australian Open qualifying, project which qualifiers are best positioned for main draw success over the course of the next week. They also discussed last week's Challenger action, focusing on Jack Draper's maiden Challenger title and so much more. As I just referred to earlier, I do apologize for the fact that we did not get this podcast out to you on Monday. That was an oversight on our part, obviously trying to balance all of our Australian Open coverage, GSP, Ace of the Day picks, recaps on the Mini Break Podcast, Match of the Day segments for all of our Patreon subscribers as well. That said, no excuse. We apologize for the day delay in releasing this podcast. As we know, so many of you listeners look forward to hearing an update on what's happening at the challenger level as no two people cover it more closely than Damien and Jakob. With that in mind, I do want to quickly repeat GSP Ace of the Day segments each and every day throughout this 2022 Australian Open available here on the GSP podcast feed. Mini break pods recapping all the action available each and every day over on that podcast feed as well. All the content that we're producing available on our website, crackrackets.com. With that said, though, let's get to it. We're talking ATP Challenger Tour Grand Slam qualifying with two of the best in the business to do it. Crack Rackets contributors Damian Koost and Jakob Babra. Uh, hello, welcome to the next episode of the Challenger Tour podcast. I am once again joined by friend Jakub. We're going to discuss the Australian Open qualifying this time and also going to do the draft pick of the qualifiers that we're always... Uh, it's like our third time, so maybe always is a stretch, but uh, that we've been doing during the slums. And obviously, we're not going to forget about uh, the Challenger Tour per se uh, and talk about Blumenau, Forley and also preview so where do we start do we do it like last time uh, that we you know we, we we sort of went through the Challenger Tour and then uh, Australian Open quality yeah so I mean I would like to start go? by saying happy birthday if oh. what I said Twitter was true uh, <laughs> so. yes thank you yeah. that is that is that is true uh, it's actually uh, 11 uh, 11 11 past 11 for me uh pm so it's just my birthday until <laughs> until midnight so when we're gonna stop recording i'm gonna be uh you know it's not gonna be my birthday anymore so uh, anyhow thank you yeah, I, I got it just before the deadline so uh, yeah there we go uh we're if anyone is curious we're recording this about two hours before the Eastern open is due to start so we do not yes. know how the the qualifiers will fare yet in any in any way but um uh, Yes. Uh, so let's just go with to Forli or Blumenau. Where do you want to start? Absolutely. Let's let's start with Forli. Okay. Uh, we had an all British derby in the final. Jack Draper beating Jay Clark six three six love, destroying him for his first challenger title. He moves up thirty spots, number two hundred and thirty two. Uh, en route to the final, he beat uh, Roberto Kiroš, Luca Nardi, Alexander Richard got a retirement from Jean Borpiroš. How did you like Draper this week? Yeah, we both picked Pirosh, and I mean, unlucky. Yeah, it's a retirement. I thought but he was looking really good, but until yeah. the semis, yes. But in the first set, I mean, Draper was just Draper was yeah. insane the whole week. Uh, I I guess just just the first uh, you know the first set against Richard was a little weaker, and then in the second he had to go through some tough moments like the two break points I believe at at four three, uh, but anyhow it was an incredible week. I mean this is a guy we've always looked at as a potential breakout as someone who has stupidly high ceiling, but he never really you know he never really found the floor. He never he never he was never able to put up I don't know five straight great performances uh just you know keep that steady level and then there's been very little control over his ground strokes in the latter half of 2021 so it's very reassuring to see him claim this obviously his first challenger title uh gonna propel him to like 
213, right? In the, in the ATP rankings? 232 is yeah. the number. Uh, 200 what again? Uh, 232, but actually, uh, that makes no, me... no, no, that's that's pre. That's pre. Oh, yeah, that, that's before the final. I think. My yes, that is for sure before the final. I think it's the uh, 213, but I. Will... Yeah, 213. My yeah. bad. He moved up 49 spots to 213. Cool so stuff. He's gonna be. He's clearly gonna be on the rise again. And I mean, uh, massive serve, which in Forley works works well as we've seen. I mean, we've we've yeah. had so many of these Forley challengers that by now by now we just you know we're so familiar with the conditions. Uh, his forehand was excellent in that it was actually you know it, it was actually a steady shot. It wasn't just. Uh, going at it full power every single time. It had a good mix of power and precision. The the display over Clark in the final, even though he got broken in the twice in the first set, which was kind of uh, you know kind of interesting to see that he uh, Clark won more games on return than on serve in the whole match. Uh, but but still uh, another incredible performance and surely someone that is gonna be dangerous perhaps even as early as I don't know the grass season on the ATP tour. Yeah, I mean, we we know that he's gonna get the wild cards. He's yeah. got the conscience uh, and the backing. But uh, yeah, I mean, and at, at this point, he's coming good. Like it, it used to be a, a thing where obviously his dad used to be a very mm-hmm. high. I, I don't know if he still is, but he used to be very high in the LTA. So he's been getting well with the qualifying wild cards. I since, think he's like, not. He's not anymore. Yeah. I think, but but yeah. Yeah, um, and but 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 now he's actually coming good. He's a very promising talent so uh now he definitely deserves them at this point yeah i guess he always did i mean after the after the wimbledon uh you know by singles final uh mm. he was always showing these glimpses even last year i mean it's it's hard to say that the wild cards to wimbledon and queens weren't justified i mean he literally yeah. beat Sinner public and took a set of Djokovic, right so yeah. and, and right now he's gonna be ready to he, you know i mean we don't know what's going to happen in six months, but he's probably going to be ready to uh, to, to do it again. Uh, to you know, if, with a better draw at Wimbledon, he could be really dangerous. Um, yeah, I an old breed final. This is actually a third in in the ATP Challenger history. Uh, certainly didn't expect Jay Clark to do it on you know on a fast indoor surface. His strokes are somewhat loopy, very top spin, top spinny. If the, if it's even a word. Uh, and uh, I mean, his run was quite wild, like uh, struggling against Mejia and Escoffier to to later beat Job and Andreev. It was was quite a contrast between his performances for sure. Yeah. So for for Clark, uh, it's his sixth challenger final. His record is two and four, and this is his third loss in a row. Uh, so do you think he's starting to sort of be in trouble when it comes to the finals, or is he just getting outplayed by better guys really in the conditions that he's in yeah i i'd say the latter i i didn't know if i wanted to say something like this because it's pretty harsh but i think he just gets outclassed for the most part looking at the rivals he's had recently i mean duckworth Purcell, and draper draper uh, was obviously a very uh, a very even match but i mean he's probably less dangerous than duckworth or draper i i think it's simply you know it's too far it's still not a bad ATP finals record. Yeah, it, it, I mean, ATP challenger to finals record. By the way, I, I you probably remember I I talked to you once about uh, Badenes final record on the on the yes uh, yeah. ATP tour and how it's uh, completely different from his um, from his challenger one. And it's the same for Bublik. I, I found out this uh, this week yeah. because Bublik is zero for four in singles, which most people probably know. But I had no idea that he's six and zero in challenger tour finals. <laughs> so yeah there, there's quite a contrast there and it's probably more more or less about the the quality of the players uh so i mean it's it's cool that clark is getting these finals he's actually proven to be successful in all conditions now like he's he has a clay court title he's got multiple hardcore finals and right now even indoors which is certainly not his best yeah yeah i mean I, as you mentioned uh i felt like his run wasn't the hardest but, but we did have Andrev uh, reaching the semifinals there as a qualifier, which was certainly a surprise. Beat guys like uh, Hertz in the final qualifying round and Tunev and uh, Furness. So certainly a good week for, for Andrev there. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he can easily 
get runs like this in in these deple depleted challenger fields. Uh, he's obviously not really going, you know, with that with that with that game, that very you know defensive pushy sort of game. He's not gonna be a world beater probably unless something massive changes in it. But but he's certainly capable of beating guys like Fairness or Turnet. Paul Jab was in the quarters as well, which is cool. I I think we. I don't know if, if if I think you also mentioned him right as a, as someone who could potentially do do well from college maybe was it? Uh, I'm not sure if I did, but we had this one episode where we talked about guys from college who could who we're excited to see. You didn't mention maybe maybe it wasn't you, uh, but anyhow, I I I was certainly very high on job coming into this year, so I'm happy to see him do some impact on the Challenger Tour, which is certainly what he should be doing with with how he performed in ITFs last year. Mm -hmm. uh, and before we move on from Forley, do you want to guess who won the doubles? No, uh, I didn't actually even check that. No way. Oh, okay, wait, uh, Jesus. Okay, I was thinking of the neck collage. Okay, yeah. wasn't in the tournament. Okay. <laughs> Because when you said that, I was playing, you're playing qualies in Australian Open. Yes, of course. Uh, yeah, that, he won. He won the title last week, and that's why I instantly went to him. I, yeah, I, I no, remember it, watching. It was, it was Dumbia and Red Bull, yeah. uh, the the uh, Challenger Tour doubles legends, really at this point, with how much they win and how much they play. Uh, beat Mejia and Richard in the final, which was a pairing that I wasn't really expecting to be fair, but I guess they only yeah. recently started having that success on the Challenger Tour. They only seem to have a maybe more nine Challenger Tour titles together. Uh, fun fact for, for, for the audience I recently checked who has the most Challenger Tour doubles titles, uh, and it's the Ratiwana brothers. And I think one of them has 48 and the other 46. One of oh. them, one of them, got two with someone else, uh, which is which is pretty crazy. I mean, these are these are incredible stats. Uh, I think they stopped playing in like before the pandemic or something like this. So uh, yeah, I, I think so because they were. I, I remember their yeah, rankings. Haven't, haven't seen them in in the while in a while. Yeah, I see one one of them finished. Uh, yeah, before the pandemic, and the other one. Plates no, also before the pandemic. They both haven't played since the pandemic. I guess they're not coming back, being thirty-nine and all. But yeah, maybe for some sort of one last tournament. Right. Well, yeah. uh, let's move on to Blumenau, uh, the fifty there, which was won by Igor Markondesh, um, beating Juan Bautista Torres in the final three six seven five six one. His second challenger title. Uh, he moves up 50 spots to number 276. Uh, how did you like Mark Kondesh this week? Uh, the final was honestly like the worst match he played this week, probably, of what I saw. Uh, yeah. But um, yeah, Torres was really very competitive in this one. He led 6 3 3 1. Uh, Mark Kondesh seemed gassed after all the. Well, all that. Maybe there, there was that one match against Moreno de Alboran that was uh, three hours, 23 minutes long, I believe. Uh, so, so he didn't really have that explosiveness in the forehand. And then he somehow fought back to 5-5 in the second and Torres just completely broke down. Uh, for a guy whose best asset is probably consistency... I mean, he's very fast around the court. He's got a very decent forehand, but I, I'd say he, you know... Consistency is probably what he does best. His strokes just completely, you know, faded, and also double fault script in, and then it was, you know, a pretty sad thing to see uh, a 19-year-old playing his first challenger final, uh, and I believe, you know, the crowd probably had some impact in that. Uh, the, oh yeah, the Brazilians the, the were crazy. Insane. Yeah, the Brazilians were, were absolutely crazy. And they were stepping over the line at some points to me, like, you know, cheering, cheering for double faults, cheering for mm -hmm. uh, simple errors. I remember there was that uh, straightforward smash that uh, Torres missed and I was actually doing something else and I wasn't looking at the screen. And then I heard the claps and I was thinking, oh, I have to rewind that. I mean, Marcondes must have won a fantastic point. And then I, uh, you know, then I uh, hit the, you know, the, the button 
And I see that Torres has a very easy smash. And I was like, whoa, is Marcondes going to you know, have some crazy defense in this point? And no, Torres just hit it wide. Uh, and that's crazy roar from the crowd was simply because he because Marcondes won a point. And I, I, I don't like that. Uh, that's that's too much for me. Obviously, there's that, that's not going to be any sort of an explanation for, for Torres. He still you know, should have been able to, to clinch that victory. He was definitely the better player for a set and a half. Uh, well, but he didn't. Uh, Marcondes did play very well in the in the first weeks. I think there's uh, in the, in, you know, in the first part of the week. I think there's plenty of people who are gonna say that he won one of the two weakest fields in in South America. Probably. Uh, I mean, you have to agree with this. Then again, uh, you know, we're we're just gonna have to wait and see how how he does in the more competitive challengers in in South America. I don't think Concepcion is actually that. I think he withdrew. So 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 maybe after this. Uh, but but some of the some of the matches he played were certainly very high level. The the way he can, you know, have that shot making from the forehand uh, or even the backhand when he's when he's on is is quite good. Although usually it's, it's a weakness. The the final against Delian in Florianopolis is certainly a match that that stuck with me and and he played on a on a crazy level there. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm certainly looking forward to seeing more of Marcondes. He uh, beat my pick for the for the title, Genaro Alberto Olivieri in the semifinals. Uh, your pick, uh, Fernando Verdasco, departed a little earlier than that to Moreno de Alboran in the second round. Um, kind of what we, ex- I, I don't know, you, you certainly didn't expect this from Verdasco. I had a feeling that he may lose to Marcondes in the quarterfinals. Yeah, I, I did say that Moreno de Alboran is somewhat tough, I remember. Uh, I, yeah. I I guess I just really wanted that Marcondes Verdasco quarter, you know. Uh, as I as I mentioned last time, the the lefty forehands, the way they unleash at it, they, it's fairly similar, and I really wanted to see them matched up against each other. So I am I I am a little bummed. Then again, I probably shouldn't have expected that much from Verdasco, uh, but it still felt like the draw is you know weak enough so that he can clean up even at this stage. Maybe not. Maybe maybe he's gonna get better as the as the air progresses. Who knows? Uh, yeah, uh, just quickly wanted to mention uh, Juan Bautista Torres breaks the top four hundred with this uh, result, moves up seventy five spots to number three hundred and ninety eight. So we might be seeing more of him uh, as the year progresses. Um, anything else from Blumenau? Yeah, I just wanted to give a shout out to my friend who probably wouldn't want listening to this, but. Uh, my 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 friend Julian, he actually like we, we did this this top fifty ranking together, and he had Juan Bautista Torres there, and I remember seeing that name, and I was like, really? Uh, so <laughs> so I guess oh, you know Argentinians or <laughs> who's laughing now? I mean, he he seems to have a very good knowledge of Argentinian tennis or maybe South American tennis. Uh, I I guess I'm usually probably better on the European stuff. Uh, and he also had Santiago Rodriguez Taverna very high, so you know, shout out to this guy. I mean, he was definitely smarter than than I was in terms of the, in terms of guys like Torres or Rodriguez Taverna, the younger, uh, the younger Argentines. Yeah, I mean, for me, yeah, Torres came out of nowhere, so yeah, I wasn't even on my radar at all. All right, should we go to match of the week and upset of the week? Sure. Uh, who's your upset? Upset. Uh, did I pick it? I think I, I think I. Hmm. Uh, there is one that had crazy high odds. I don't know if you missed it or not. Uh, uh, no, I, actually, I actually picked that one. Yeah, it's uh, Mateus yeah. Amorim de Lima over Mats Rosenkrantz. Uh, I ha- I see it as like a fourteen to one on 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 the on the the, the website that I'm checking it on. So this is this happens very rarely in challenger tour matches. You you can see these odds in a slam when I don't know Djokovic plays Nadal or <laughs> Djokovic or Nadal play uh, play someone or something like this. I don't know Medvedev Laxonen is probably something like this uh, in at the Australian Open. But uh, on the challenger tour it happens very rarely, and it just shows that the 17 year old Brazilian was basically unknown to the bookies as well. Uh, which is weird because they 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 have to do a lot of research. I don't know how this match went honestly. I didn't I didn't see it. But am I this surprised that Rosenkrantz was able to lose on clay to someone you know who is seventeen and then won just one game of Marcondes? I guess I am. 
while you talk about your upset of the week, I'm gonna see if there's something else that I can pick, but I might I might be sticking with this. Yeah, I mean, I I am surprised. Rosenkrantz he did lose first round last week, but it, it, it was a I don't know if you can say good loss, but he took a it set. Was, off it was it was a good loss. Yeah, uh, Rodriguez Taverna, and then he went on to win the doubles. And he goes here and loses to I think a 16 year old or a 17 year old 17. or something like that. Who is oh actually like, he, he could be 16 because this site has first uh, of January as his date of birth, so that's probably you know just just them assigning. He's 16, yeah, he's 16. Even. Yeah, so so a 16 year old who has never even won a juniors title from what I can see. He's reached a couple of finals in Brazil. He he might turn out to be really promising. We might be talking about him in a couple of years, but I just did not see that coming at all. Um, so yeah, that's that's uh yeah the Lima over Rosenkrantz there. Can't blame you. I think I mean I know this is not crazy, but I think maybe uh, Torres Diaz Acosta is a fairly um you know fairly surprising result as well as we didn't really have Torres on our on our radars as we mentioned. Uh I remember there was a point this week where I thought, why didn't I pick Diaz Acosta again? Uh and then I mean you know the result would have been the same. So uh, I remember actually thinking of Barkondesh, so you know, a little bit of a bummer there, but I uh, I guess I just never wasn't really sure he would uh, capitalize on that Florianapolis win. He's now on a 10-match win streak on clay, had that uh, second round in, in Rio de Janeiro in the meantime. Yeah, and match of the week, what's yours? Uh, I have the quarterfinal between jean Bor Piroche and Vasek Pospisil. Piroz beating Pospisil 7-6-7-6. Very exciting match, full of really fun rallies. You have the the really good offense from Pospisil trying to get to the net. Piroz's defending was also amazing. He is screaming and shouting for a lot of that match. Uh, So I'd recommend to go back and watch that one. I think it might end up being one of the contenders for match of the year. If, If it went three sets, I feel like it'd be more locked in there because it is a straight set match. It's so harder to to pick it. Um, but yeah, just really high quality, really enjoyable. Yeah, fully agree. Uh, I didn't end up going for this. I went with uh, Moreno de Alboran beating, uh, losing to Marcondas. Uh, as I said, three hours, 23 minutes of crazy drama and very high quality. Uh, but Pospisil Piroch was definitely like, if, uh, if you're like a casual fan of the Challenger Tour, then this was probably the one that you watched this week, right? Like the, the, that's the that's the blockbuster that you could, uh, you know, sell to the to the big crowds. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's certainly like quite big names, especially yeah. for this where we didn't have our uh, like all of the guys playing some qualifying. Um, all right, on we go to the previews. So far for our winners picks, we have two zeros on the board. Uh, no, nobody's guessed anything correctly going into week three. Uh, so boo for us, but maybe this is the week. So here we go. Where, where do you want to start, Forli or Concepcion? Uh, we've been, we've just been in South America. Let's maybe finish it. <laughs> All right. So Concepcion, we have top seed Hugo Deyen playing a qualifier. Um, hold on a second. I'm going to open a different draw. Yeah, we've already got the qualifiers placed, which is somewhat unusual. Yeah. Because the, the qualifying draw was, again, not full. Yeah, yes. All right, here we go. So Hugo de Lien, uh plays Cristobal Castro, a Chilean qualifier. Uh, winner of that face is Strong Kirkheimer, my favorite name in tennis. Tuna Altuna. Tuna Altuna is my favorite one. Tuna Altuna is a really good one, yeah. Uh, so Strong Kirkheimer or uh, Ignacio Becerra, uh, sorry, Becerra Otarola. Other season section is Renzo Olivo, number five, uh, playing Pedro Sakamoto. Winner faces uh, Benjamin Torres or Quentin Foyu. Next section, we have Daniel Elahi Galan, third seed, playing Alexander Merino. Winner faces Nicolas Moreno del Baran or Miguel Angel Reyes Varela. Uh, other seed in the section is uh, Camilo Ugu uh, Carabey, playing Gonzalo Achondo. Winner faces Noah Rubin or Victor Nunez. Uh, then we've got fourth seed, Francisco Serundol playing Daniel Dutra Silva. Winner faces Felipe Hernandez or Matias Franco Descote. 
We've also got Santiago Fajar Rodriguez Taverna playing Wilson Leite. Uh, winner faces Nicolas Alvarez or Diego Hidalgo. Sorry. And finally, Andre Martin is the second seed <laughs> playing Gonzalo Villanueva. Uh, winner of that faces Gonzalo Lama or Michal uh, Vernier. And then we have Facundo Mena, sixth seed, playing Carlos Gomez Herrera. Winner of the face is Buruchaga or Rodriguez. Um, so a lot of a lot of big names here. Um, it's it's not quite as filled out, I think, with, with, with more of the South American talent that we see. Um, but I feel like a lot of the big hitters are there. So who who's caught your eye here? Yeah, it's very hard. I mean, the, the seeds are very strong. And then yeah. there's like a huge drop off in quality. Uh, the qualities were pretty fun, actually, like fun, more, more maybe more funny because there were just two matches between uh, four Chilean wildcards and four other players uh, got in just automatically and they were all alternates. So we've got some very <laughs> funny players like Victor Nunes, for example, a 30-year-old Chilean who played uh, two matches last year in singles and lost, lost both of them. And it's not like he's uh, been playing doubles. He actually hasn't been playing at all in the past two years. Uh, there's also uh, Alexander Merino, who's actually you know, playing doubles, uh, not with much success, but he only played three singles three times in 2021, lost all of these matches as well. He's actually also played to the qualities in Blumeno and lost uh, won just one game against Conor Huerta. Conor is his name? Uh, yeah, Conor Huerta okay. del Pino. And the, Reyes Varela hasn't played singles in 2018, uh, since 2018. Uh, yeah. So there's some really interesting stuff there. Like the, in in other are... words, if, if you live anywhere in Concepcion and you own the tennis racket, you were certainly eligible uh, to get into this draw. <laughs> I think there was a rule that for challengers, you need to have one point uh, in the ATP rankings, but I'm not convinced it's still in place. But Because well, these guys, the, the wild cards... Oh, they might... Because oh, they, they they're wild cards, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, Reyes Varela can't have a singles point in the ATP rankings. No, right? but, but he does have a doubles ranking. So maybe that counts. I don't know. I, I am not, not sure at all, at all how this works at, uh, at this point in time. But, uh, but anyhow, uh, where, do, where are they in the draw? If, like, if that is a rule, they, they, they should open it up to unranked players because I'd much rather have some interesting unranked yeah, players. Sure. A good than... story can come out of this, like yeah. Julio Cesar Porras in uh, Segovia last year, right? We could have uh, had like... Fernando Gonzalez making his comeback or something. <laughs> that, that would be sick, of course. Uh, Nicolas Massu. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. I'm sure they were just that they, they would get the wild card over the guys that we've never heard of. Uh, yeah, but Ma Massu played doubles last year, right? Or something like this. Or two years ago? Uh, with Moritz, uh, I think, I think, Moritz, Moritz, I, I don't think I think. it was last year, but I think Maybe, it's... yeah. I, I'm mixing up the, the years that are recent to us. Uh, yeah, 2019. Okay, that was so long ago. Okay, never mind. Yeah, but with Moritz team in, in Kitzbühel. Anyway, anyhow, it's a huge topic. But matches like Reyes Varela, Moreno Dal Boran, I mean, I don't know if, if Reyes Varela even wins a game in this, honestly. At least looking yeah. at how he's, you know, how he hasn't played singles in three years and Moreno Dal Boran is, is very good. Anyhow, yeah, as I said, seeds are so much better than the rest of the field. Uh, maybe not Andre Martin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, Andre Martin. I just want to say he's the he he, gets, he has all the difficult unseeded players in his section, or potentially difficult. Lama, like, Buruchaga, okay, Rodriguez, yeah, Villanueva, okay, he, yeah, like, I, I, I can see. Compare his section with, with like the top section and stuff like yeah. that. I feel like it's sort of in the top section. There's yeah, Sakamoto <laughs> and yeah, and nothing, not much else. Moreno Dalboran is certainly pretty dangerous, but he's in the second one. Uh, anyhow, yeah. I think I'm just going to go with the easy way out. Like, all of these guys went to Australia, right? Mena. Uh, did Mena go to Australia? I can't remember. Uh, but Serundolo so. did. Serundolo but... did for sure. Uh, yeah. Hugo Carabelli did. Olivo did. Galan did. Delian did. Yeah. I'm thinking... Between... Uh, uh, Rodriguez Taverna didn't go. I yeah, think. I, I, I'm thinking between Delian and Rodriguez Taverna. Uh, the question is, do I trust Rodriguez Taverna this much? Uh, especially if he plays Franz Rundolo. Um, okay, this is, I guess this is a bit of a bold one, but I'm going to go with Rodriguez Taverna then. Uh, 
Uh, he didn't go to Australia. He should be better prepared simply. And, you know, one has got a lot of confidence from that 250 and and the way he played there certainly warrants him uh, going deep at uh, at the event of the higher category, especially as the draw, again, besides the seeds, isn't that much tougher. Yeah, I mean, I, I, see, I see the logic there, but I've decided to ignore the logic uh, and go for Francisco Serundolo. I mean, he's, he's a very good player. He, he gets a nice couple of rounds to play himself into form, get used to the jet lag uh, or whatever from, from Australia, uh, and then go out and, and win this title. I mean, he's he, he's definitely one of the most talented players in this draw for me. So I see the logic in this one. Like, it's it's also not, a, not an yeah. illogical pick. Uh, I would love to see that quarterfinal between him and Rodriguez Taverna. Yeah, yeah, that would be exciting. Um, all right, let's go to Forli. Forli, where we have top seed Vasek Pospisil uh, playing a qualifier. Uh, winner of that faces Stefano Napolitano or Nino Sederusic. Then we've got Lukas Latsko playing Andrea Pellegrino. Winner faces Ferreira Silva or Arnaldi. Uh, next, we have Cem Ilkel, third seed playing a qualifier, and then Jack Draper or qualifier. Also in the section, we have Daniel Masur, the seventh seed, playing Andrea Arnaboldi, and Pavel Kotov playing Denis Istomin. Uh, third section, we have Alto Celibilic playing a qualifier, and then another qualifier, or Franco Akamenone. We also have uh, Gregor Barrer playing Jay Clark, winner of the faces Cedric Marcelo Stebe or Filippo Baldi. And in the final section, we have Quentin Alice playing Trajan Gunishvaran. Winner faces uh, Ginat or qualifier. And then we have Katsper Zhuk playing Tung Lin Wu. Winner faces Antoine Huang or Gianmarco Moroni. Um, so once again, uh, a lot of guys coming over from Australia. Uh, and I think a very interesting draw here. Well, well, who do you like here? Yeah, it's so much better than, than, than Concepcion for sure. And even the qualities, like we yeah. just mentioned that the qualities in oh, Concepcion yes. the, the qualities were are really something. a mess. And here... I mean, first round matchups were, I don't know, Fernes Batutin, Kopil Quiros, that's a crazy one. Uh, Goyo Jab, that's another ridiculous one. There's going to be, for example, Tjurnev for Aitek tomorrow to even make it into the main draw. Or, mm-hmm. I don't know, Rosol Fernes or Go- Goyo Midler. I mean, this is this is just pretty insane for uh, for a challenger that's happening during a slam. But these are pretty much all the best guys that that aren't South Americans and didn't you know didn't qualify or um, but still wanted to play a, a challenger this week. Anyhow, I have no idea what to pick here. Uh, Pospisil wasn't that bad honestly last week, and it almost makes me want to go for him. But I don't trust him against Serdarusic. Pellegrino could be dangerous. Maybe Lachko. I mean. In, I don't want to, uh, you know, trust him again. I think I've, I've had my fair share of expecting Lukas Lachko to do something and he didn't, but in conditions like in Forley, he can always do well. Uh, Draper, I don't think, you know, winning 10 matches in a row is something that's going to come easy. Uh, so I, I also am kind of skipping this, although I could, like, if it was a week later, I think I could see myself picking Draper here. Um I really don't trust anyone. Like Alice has been, I think he's been playing very well, but over the past four months, he's lost five matches from match point up. That's you, you just cannot do that if you hope to, I don't know, break your career high ranking, which he certainly I feel like he's playing at, at a level that could allow him to do it. Uh Kasper Zuk, I don't know. Uh, he lost to Brody, which was a very tough draw in Austrian Open qualities, but had some ankle injury as well. I'm going to go with Altuk Chaligbilek. I don't know. I feel like this is a guy I go for a lot. Uh, he probably brought me a point last year at, at some point. And probably the, the Pozoblanco one. I, I, I At least I think so. Uh, Pozoblanco, was it? No, Porto. Porto. And then he also won... Oh, no, Pozoblanco. Uh, and no, never mind. I mean, I'm just I'm just talking uh, about uh, some very not important things. I'm scared of Agamemnona. I'm scared of Barrer or or maybe even Steba if he's healthy. But I'm gonna go with Altuk Chelik. Be like, I mean, screw it. <laughs> 
Fair enough. Um, I'm sort of using your logic from the first tournament to this tournament. And I'm saying Pospicial was here last week, um, as opposed to all of these guys. I actually quite like his section. Um, he, he he looked good to me last week as well. That that loss to Piroz was very was very yep. tough. Um, so yeah, I, I'm doing this. I'm going Vashik Pospicial here. Yeah, I certainly don't don't hate that pick. Um, so you went Pospicial and I went with uh, Charlie Bilek and then you had Franz Serundolo in Concepcion and I had uh, Rodriguez Taverna. Okay. Uh, yeah, so uh, I guess that's it for the previews. Uh, then I don't know, we're going to do a some, something something of a preview right now. <laughs> the draft yeah. of the qualifiers. Do we want to go for I mean, do we go, do we want to review the the results of the qualifying first, or I, I don't think that's really necessary. Um, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, uh, it wasn't guess. a bad loss. So, so. yeah, I mean, Damian has won five to three. All of my three points were uh, points from where we we both had the same pick, uh, so I didn't get any of my boys that were just mine uh, in. But yeah, yeah, in the. I, in the I, uh -huh. I, I feel like five four sixteen is is quite solid, so I feel like you should be you should be happy with yourself for, for in that the one. initial uh, tweet that I that I had with the predictions. Uh, I said that I would be satisfied with five out of sixteen, <laughs> so I guess there I kind go. of brought it on on myself. Um, you know, looking back at it, uh, I think there were some guys that I I was sort of unlucky with uh, Safiulin for sure. He led five two. In the second set uh, against Brody, uh, potentially also Souza, maybe Alice who missed match points again. You know, Borges not even playing. So uh, yeah, I guess I have to be satisfied with this. I I'm not so, you know, I'm not gonna be angry about getting five out of sixteen, especially as I beat you. Maybe maybe next time uh, next time I should just say that I will be satisfied with uh, sixteen out of sixteen and. Then it's gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to, to be fair, one of my guys did make it into the main draw as a lucky loser, Escobedo, yeah. uh, after his tight loss to Kukushkin, which I re I really thought that I had Escobedo. I really thought that I would have. I mean, we both have Safilin. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a shame. I mean, some of those were just silly. Some of the picks, I feel like Kovalik was a silly pick. I'm not really sure what I was thinking there. Yeah, I would say two of your picks were silly. Yeah, Gulbis. Gulbis yes. is also <laughs> that's what they meant. Although, although he, he did retire, actually. So um... yeah, but still, like <laughs> uh, okay, it was a it was a weak section, sort of. Okay, I, I can see that means cutoff um, emerged from this, right? So maybe it yeah, wasn't uh, that stupid. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I I feel like I would have been very surprised at myself picking Skatov. I was very disappointed with Fertangelo, actually. He lost to Olivo, I think, very mm -hmm. easily. Yes. Uh, that that was a weird weird one, but ultimately the most important thing is that Norbert Gombos made it through, even though I didn't pick him. After an absolute classic against Matthew Ebden, that was an insane match. Three tie breaks. I forgot that the final tie break is the ten points. Oh, so they're celebrating. <laughs> and who was leading? Who was leading by with seven points? I can't remember. Uh, Gombos was. Ah, uh, Gombos. Okay. Yeah. So I, I think he was up like seven five, and okay. I was like. But yeah, he, he got in <laughs> despite nice, the crowd. Nice. The crowd was obviously very pro Epton, as expected. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed the qualifying. I feel like it was a, a good time. Yeah, I feel like I had one silly peak. I don't know if you uh, <laughs> if you know which uh, one I'm talking about. Well, I mean, prob probably Kuhn. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> I mean, he was up four zero in the first set against Gomez, playing very well. And then uh, I don't even understand what happened. Maybe, uh, maybe it's actually going to be that the you know that the run that he had in Stratin or even later in uh, Bucharest was it that he lost to in the quarters to Molchan? Maybe not Bucharest, maybe Barcelona, something like this. Uh, maybe that's actually going to be the exception. Uh, and I I guess I after he lost to Gomez, I was like, okay, so Kruger is going to take it now. And then Gomez also beat Kruger, which was. Which was quite a bit of a surprise. So he beat your pick yeah. as well. 
Well, wasn't expecting that. I mean, I, I I was going into it. I was going into the final day with with a chance, um, which was a nice feeling, but uh, it did not materialize in any way. So <laughs> we can just move on from that and move into the draft, which hopefully I will win. Yeah, uh, I'll just say that after like I don't know six or seven matches, I think I was already sure of winning or something like this. Because Martyr and Mahach were so early in the day and uh, Tabilo was so early in the day, Lechechka as well. So and mm. then we just had these these guys who we picked bo- who both of us picked, like Safiulin, for example. So. Yeah. Or Daniel. So yeah, but but uh, just for clarity, uh, we both got a point for Martyr, Mahach, and Daniel. And I got two additional ones for Lechechka and Tabilo. Uh, it, I found it very funny that you went for a Slovakian but not the right Slovakian because there were like, <laughs> I don't know, three of them in the draw, probably. But four, four of them and I picked of probably the worst one. Yeah, you probably Kuro- picked the, the, the worst chance, one. yeah. Oh, Horansky made it to the final call. Oh, Horansky. Right? I forgot about Horansky, yes. Um, that would then, have been a pretty... Well, no, I, I, actually, there was five because Andre Martin lost in the first round as well. Ah, okay. Uh, so, yeah, so but, was yeah. it Lachko, Horansky, Martin, uh, Kovalik and, and Gombos? Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so so you, uh, you, I, you know, when I saw Gombos qualifying, I was like, you're gonna be a bit, a bit angry about. No, that. I, I, I was just happy with the like. I, I felt like for just happy that he qualified again. Okay. A, a, a logical pick who who just did not materialize in at, at all. Uh, I I knew that you were if you had picked Gombos, I would have been I would have been a bit pissed off about it. I think, but yeah, <laughs> it was all right. Hijikata and uh, Berks also retired, so we couldn't really do. Yeah, that was. We couldn't read the match there. I don't know if they would have made it through. These were pretty, like, okay, the Bakes section was very tough. Hijikata's not really if he beat Zumhur. But but I think I was still uh, impressed with what Rinky showed. I guess, uh, you know, before the cramps, very extreme case of cramps, uh, I was very, like, you know, just reassured that, okay, this, this guy is going to have potential. Uh, because I saw, yeah, yeah. And, and, and then you, you also had a pick of yours, uh, pull out. You, you, you had no Borges pull out, yeah. I had Borges pull out, but that was another tough section with Kukushkin Escobedo. I'm you know, I'm not at all yeah. convinced that he was actually winning this. Uh, was there someone that, that like really disappointed you of your picks? Yeah, I mean, as, as I said, Fritangelo, I was just oh, very surprised yes. at how easily he lost. Um, I picked the wrong Australians. <laughs> I don't think any of my Australians came through for me. Who qualified uh, out of Australians? Who did they qualify? Yeah, did so maybe maybe you didn't actually pick the wrong Australians. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I, the I, mistake I, was I, picking Australians. <laughs> yeah, I picked like three Australians for no reason. <laughs> I picked one, I believe, Kublan. I know Hijikata as well. So you, you actually, yeah. whoa, and no, you you went with three because you didn't pick Kublan. Okay, Koboli was <clears> like, <throat> I was very surprised with how close you got to a point there. Yeah, I, I, I was very happy with with Kaboli. Um, he had well, he beat Collage, right? And then, yeah. um, uh, I yeah, I can't point. remember. Yeah, Collage <laughs> and Andrew Harris, yes, yes, a, yeah, very uh, Andrew Harris, Flavio Kaboli. That was a match that was impossible to predict, as Harris hasn't really played in so so long. Uh, anyhow, uh, yeah, let's get to the draft pick. I think we're going to have to do rock, paper, scissors. We cannot yes. uh, in- include lucky losers as we did at the US Open, I believe, because mm-hmm. there's three of them, at least for the time being. Uh, we're, As I mentioned, we're recording this. We're currently one hour and nine minutes until the uh, until the qualify, uh, until the main draw starts. So we cannot really, you know, if there's going to be any more lucky losers, then we probably could have done it, but you know, for now we have to just stick with the qualifiers. Uh, the lucky yeah. losers right now are Souza, Escobedo, and Caruso. So actually, uh, quite premium picks, I think. Right? I mean, Escobedo is playing Bublik. Uh, Caruso is playing Katsmanovic. That's another winnable one. And I, I can't yeah. remember where Joao Souza is in the draw. So, uh, Souza has an okay draw, I think. I'm playing Sinner. So that's. Uh, oh no, never mind. Yeah. I'm, I'm the, we wouldn't really be hoping to pick Joao Souza, but Escobedo and Caruso certainly were. Uh, one of the premium picks. Anyhow, we, we're not going to do that. We're just going to go with the qualifiers since we cannot uh, split 19 into half. We're not magicians. Uh, anyhow, yeah, let's do rock, paper, scissors for who for who starts then. Uh, 
three or okay i'm gonna oh. start because i showed scissors okay. and jacob showed paper um so i guess i'm just gonna go with the easy way out and uh just pick thomas mahach uh, he's Fair playing enough. Juan Manuel Serundolo in the first round, which I believe is like an almost an insta win with how well he's playing. Uh, he's Mahaj is 8 0. Uh, the qualifying round there was one weird set against Ugo Carabelli, uh, but after that, he I don't think he was even broken in the next two six sets. And I mean, the, the beginning of the year that he's had is just incredible. And obviously, Serundolo in faster hardcore conditions is not going to be that great. Uh, if I remember correctly, the second round is, uh, yeah, it's Isner or Cressy. So, you know, it's winnable. It's not it's not one he to be favored in. But I think I'm just happy to take these, you know, I would expect Mahach to grant me like nine points, probably eight for the first. Because, uh, oh, if you, if you never listened to a draft pick of ours before, uh, we have the scoring system where each set uh, is worth a point. And then if uh, the qualifier wins a match, it's five bonus. So a one match is eight points. Uh, a set is just, you know, it's just one. So I'm expecting like nine or 10 points maybe from Mahach. Let's say a win, uh, you know, a win against Serundalo and then a set or two against Cressy or Eastner. I think that's a, that's a fair expectation with how well he's been playing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Mahaj would probably be top of my list, but this guy is right up there with it. With my second pick, uh, I'm taking Norbert Kombosh. I didn't pick him in the first thing. He's playing Skatov uh, and then Chilich or, or or Gomez. You you look very surprised. I was surprised. Uh, yeah, I am. Surprised. I, I feel like he's he's quite up there as uh, for for guys that I expect to win the first round. And then a potential third round run also uh, to me isn't impossible. I mean, Chilich isn't somebody infallible or something. So okay. my second pick, I'm kind of at a crossroads here, but I'm going to take what I think is the, the bolder route here. I'm going to take Kukushkin, uh, who has Tommy Paul oh, and wow. then Karos Manovic. I quite like the third round potential there. Obviously, Paul is really good, um, but... <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I was sort of deciding between this, and I think you, you're going to take the, the the next person next, but we will see. Okay. I mean, Kukushkin. Wow. Uh that's that's a bold one. I I can see what you mean about Karuzo Kitsmanovic. I wasn't really thinking of this because I just don't know how he beats Tommy Paul. <laughs> but um, we'll, we're gonna see. Um, I don't know if it's the guy you wanted to pick, but my next idea is Taro Daniel. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, he's, that was he's playing Tom, Thomas Barrios Vera, and I, I guess I am really just expecting him to win this one. It's a good strategy in this game to pick. Uh, if, if there's a qualifier versus qualifier matchup, it's, it's a good strategy to pick both of them. Uh, but I'm not gonna do it because I just I just really feel confident about Daniel, and there's a, there's plenty of third round potential there as well. Like Basilashvili Mare is really not a second round. Uh, no, it's it's not impossible uh, if Daniel is serving as well as he's been since the start of the season. Like with his baseline game, it's it's not the ground strokes that were the issue, right? If you can get more free points from the serve, then he can really make a big step step forward. I mean, I guess it's too early. I guess it's too small sample size to say if it persists. Obviously, it's not gonna be like uh, against Caruso in every single match if you. If, if you haven't checked the stats there, he hit 14 aces in 41 service points. Uh, that's obviously not going to be like this every time. But if he can keep that ace percentage around 10%, which is what it is for this season, actually after the match against Caruso, it could be could be even higher, like 12 or 13. Uh, if you can keep it at like 8, 9, that's going to be a, you know, that, that's going to be a huge step in his career i feel like he can you know he can turn his his career around i i have no idea if it persists of course if it's maybe it's just a, a product of uh, the fast conditions in australia or something like this maybe of the heat uh, we're gonna see but anyhow barrios vera is a matchup i'm expecting him to win and basilashvili mare uh, i think he has a very good shot against either of these two uh anyhow uh, I, I you actually ruined my strategy because one of my ideas was to go for Gombos and Skatov. 
Mm -hmm. because I just, I don't know if I see Gombos as such a clear favorite of this. I was so impressed with Skatov in the qualities. He finally has like a real weapon right now with the forehand. And I, I, I just don't know if Gombos wins it so clearly, but right now, uh, you know, after the, the strategy is taken away from me, I guess I will go for something else. Uh, there's plenty of qualifiers who don't really stand a chance, probably. Um, and I am going to go with... Okay, I, I, I have two guys in mind, and I think I'm going to go with Liam Brody. Uh, oh. This is mostly based on Kergios, you know, withdrawing from all the events. Potentially even this, although I believe... You know, he's probably going to play a slam. But Brody is a very unpleasant matchup. I feel like he's, you know, for, for a player struggling to get consistency, especially in uh, after not having played in a while, I feel like Brody is not watched, not someone you want to play in, in circumstances like this. So Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I also feel like Brody was, was a solid pick, but I had him quite a bit lower down on my board. Okay. Um, I mean, it's if it's it's either like Kyrgios plays, um, and it, and it's a tough matchup for him, or it's potentially a lucky loser, and then and then we'll see. But um, yeah, that's interesting. I'm going to go for who am I going for here? Whew. All right, Radu Albot. Uh, he's playing Yoshito Nishioka, and then uh, it's uh, Lloyd Harris or Vukic. Which um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think it's like a super likely third round, but it's not also somebody like Med, like Medvedev. That, that, that's that's what actually put Brody solo down for me is that okay. the potential third round is is very yeah, low, like zero. Medvedev destroyed literally it. zero, but yeah, okay, um, I can see it. Yeah, and and now I'm thinking whether to try and risk again for for a little more potential in the third round. And I think I'll go for it again. I'm gonna take Yuji Lehitch. Ah, so oh. <laughs> you, you clearly wanted Lehitchka yes. which is a quite a first round, but then the second round potential is Benoit Per or Thiago Montero. So the winner, the winner of that match to me, Dimitrov Lehitchka, it's it's not a buy, but it's a very easy second round. I agree. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I stole a hedge cut there from you. Yeah, you also stole Albot because these were going to be my two next picks. Uh, <laughs> but I guess it makes sense. I mean, Albot just has a very good shot against Nishioka and Lehechka. If he plays his best, he can battle Dimitrov. And then the second round, if he would progress with this, yeah, as you said, I mean, if he wins the third, the first one, he probably wins the second one as well. So I am, I am very, very sorry for myself right now. <laughs> Anyhow. Uh, who else can I pick there? I think this is probably the moment where I have to pick Timofey Katov, just on the not so off chance that he beats Gombos or even gets two points or something like this. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I, I I probably have to block that option for you. The the big question right now whether there is like for me is whether there is someone I like more than just picking Barrios Vera and making sure that, uh, you know, that I get a, at least eight points. And just looking at all the other guys, they have very tough matchups for the most part. Yeah, so I, I think I'm just going to go with uh, Tom, uh, Thomas Barrios Vera just to make sure that these eight points, even though I am very confident that Daniel will, is going to win this, I just want to make sure that these eight points are in the bank. Uh, yeah, I mean, now you took two of the picks that I was going to take here. That was going to be my strategy, lock up Kombosh and take away Barrios Vera maybe for an upset against Daniel. Uh, what am I doing here then? All right. Um, I'm going to go for Yannick Hanfan here. He he, he plays uh, Kokinakis, who's in great form, but um, I don't know, maybe fatigue or something. The next round after that is Nadal or or uh, Giron, which is, I think, unlikely. But yeah, Hanfan, I, I think, can certainly get a set at least. Uh, I will go for Milojevic as well. Uh, he plays Mackie McDonald and then Karatsev or Munar. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like McDonald is definitely a better player, but it's not impossible that an upset can happen there as opposed to, I feel like the other ones are quite, 
not not set in stone but i feel like less likely yeah, some of them are more or less yeah uh Huntman was going to be my next pick as well um i just feel like if he can hold his serve regularly then he can beat kokinakis in a way that you know Tanasi's weakest link like in his game is probably the return right now. We even saw it in, in the week that he just won uh, his maiden ATP title. Uh, the, the free tiebreak match against Isner, obviously it's not wrong to go free tiebreaks with Isner, but especially the final against Rinderneh in the first two sets, uh, I think there were just two deuces, uh, one, per, one each per, per, the ser- per server, and he just wasn't really able to get close to it anyway. Uh, like any, anywhere close to, to breaking, uh, then Rinderneck fell apart. Uh, there were also a lot of matches in 2021 where that was the issue for Kokinakis. There, the, for example, one that lives in my head is like uh, against Sugita at the US Open qualifying. Obviously not the biggest of servers, yet still he was able to uh, make Tanasi's life on return a nightmare. Uh, and I just don't, not sure, I would love to see Kokinakis Nadal run too. Like that's that's probably the highlight of the round for me, and I, I really hope we get it, but I am afraid that Hanfman might indeed ruin it. He obviously cannot use his second serve, uh, you know, second serve kick serve on this in these faster conditions, lower bouncing, but the first serve gets a huge boost. Anyhow, uh, we've got five players left, right? Uh, so you said that basically no one has, <laughs> has a chance to win anymore. So we've got Emilia Gomez, Maximilian Marterer, Marco Trunjaliti, uh, and who else? Achaveri and Tabilo, okay. Yes, yeah, I wasn't really right. planning to go for Milojevic, but I guess looking at who is left, I can kind of see that. So basically yeah. right now what I'm deciding is whether I think Karenio Busta, Alcaraz, or I don't know, or, or like Fritz have the biggest, or Chilich have the biggest chance to to get upset by these guys. I might just, I might as well pick Emilio Gomez. Honestly, he's he, he doesn't have the explosive potential that Marterer has, for example. But I just don't trust Chilich. You know, he's been he's been so irregular, so inconsistent for a long while now. And I mean, maybe there's like an off chance that that Gomez beats him. I mean, probably not. And I think I just might have to lock up Alejandro Tabilo as well. Just because, yeah, he's playing Alcaraz, who has recently contracted COVID. Uh, there's some uncertainty, uh, some uncertainties regarding him. Obviously, he, if he plays his best, that's probably not going to be, uh, not going to be an option. But I, I made this, um, I made this article recently, uh, recently, like two days ago, about the qualifiers for the Australian Open, and I sort of did like a power ranking of them. And Tabilo was the second, uh, you know, took the second spot just behind Mahaj in my pick. Uh, and I, that obviously in my, in my rankings, and uh, that obviously says a lot about what I think about Alejandro Tabilo right now. I think he's like literally playing at the top 100 level, except, you know, he just got a nightmare draw. If he, if he, I don't know, if he swapped places with Mahaj or Lehechka, I'd really want to pick him, but no, he just, you know, he's against Alcaraz and that's going to be very tough, but I guess I might just pick him because I don't think the other guys are winning uh, either. Yeah, I, I quite wanted Tabilo there just because um, I'm, I'm, I'm not certain about Alcaraz coming into here, but uh, I guess I just have to move on. So I have Marte, Echeverri and Trungeliti. I get two of these guys and then you just yeah. have to take whatever is left. There's one that I want and there's two that I don't care about <laughs> but i i don't yeah. think you're gonna uh, give me the uh, one I'm that i want it off the board uh i'm taking matt yeah exactly, that, exactly. He, he is explosive he actually has a one zero head-to-head against fritz he's won their only meeting in miami 2019 hmm. uh but obviously fritz is in good form uh i'd be surprised if he loses to matt but we'll see and then between Echeveri and trunchetti i'm gonna go for trunchetti tfo hasn't won a match this year uh, obviously, it's it's higher level opposition than than Marco Trujetti is, but you know, if if it's a day where he just can't hit anything, Trujetti is a is a solid retriever, and I feel like uh, could could get a set, could could get a couple. Um, he, he has a lot of slam experience compared to Echeverri, 
so I feel like that's he, he's got more set winning potential there. Okay. Now that I think of it, maybe I actually wanted to hurry. I, I don't know, but I'm gonna take Thomas Martin to hurry. I'm gonna you to what I pick. <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna complain. Uh, about taking Kachavari. Obviously, Karenio Busta is super solid. As you said, he's probably way more certain than Tiafo at this point in time, but I just don't know if Trujaliti, you know, if he has the potential to trouble Tiafo, really. Oh, not really, but... <laughs> yeah, I mean, it just doesn't sound right, you know? It, it seems like a 6-2, 6-2, 6-2 or something like this. But as you said, I mean, if it was November last year, I'd be, you know, just thinking Trujeriti barely wins games in this one. Obviously, he's a Grand Slam legend, but more so a Grand Slam qualifying legend or a Grand Slam final round of qualifying legend. So, uh, yeah, but I'm, I'm not going to complain about it. At, at his last time, Trujeriti had, had a very good showing. Uh, he beat Davidovich Fokina at the US mm-hmm. Open. At Wimbledon as well, right? He, he went five sets with Bonzi? Uh, Wimbledon won, yeah, five five with Bonzi. Um, yeah, sure. Harris didn't qualify, um, but yeah, I mean, I feel, I feel like it's a better pick than Echeverri. I feel like Echeverri will just sort of get routined by by Caranya Busta at this point in his career. Okay. But, yeah, I mean, Echeverri would just probably have to win like a gazillion of points on uh, with his forehand. So I, I just don't know to if be it's uh, my picks are Gombos, Kukushkin, Albot, Lehechka, Hanfman, Milojevic, Marterer, and Trujeriti. Your picks are Mahach, Daniel, Brody, Skatov, Barrios Vera, Gomez, Tapilo, and Echeveri. I, I like my lineup here. I, I, I feel good about this. Okay. Uh, so you feel like your, your team is stronger after the, the draft pick? or? I mean, I'm clearly going to say this now and I'm going to just fall flat on my face. Everybody's going to lose. I'm going to get zero points. Um, but I feel good about this. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Gombos-Skatov is a big match for us. For us, yeah. Absolutely. And whether whether some of these guys can capitalize, like like if, because I feel like I have the two guys who are probably most likely to get to round three, which are Mahaj and Daniel. So I guess Gombos is a very big one for you, Gombos, Gombos Skatov. Uh, and Lehechka, like whether Lehechka can upset Dimitrov, that's also a huge one for you. Yeah. Uh, because these are probably like the, the three guys, Lehechka, Mahac, and Daniel, who seem to have the most potential to go to round three. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I feel like Kukushkin, if he beats Paul, it's a good chance. Okay, if he, be, if he beats Paul, beat yes. But I mean, yeah, but, but, but it's to beat him, which is the tough part, obviously. Yeah, that, that's uh, the tough part, yeah, for sure. And it's not like Caruso Ketsmanovic. He actually played that fantastic match against Ketsmanovic at DC Finals, right? That was Kukushkin yeah. Ketsmanovic, uh, like almost four hours and something like this. Yeah, that, that was ridiculous. Uh, but but you're right. I mean, if he beats Paul, then, then it's certainly a very good fighting chance. Uh, Escobedo is probably better than both of these players, uh, and he he's beaten him in in the final qualifying round. Uh, yeah, so I guess that's where we're gonna finish this ad. We're probably gonna discuss the results of this in the next week's episode, but there might be a chance that if one of the qualifiers makes the second week, then we we might have to you know we might have to just delay it until the episode after that, but we're suddenly going to get back to this. That would require a qualifier from uh, either to make a qu- make the quarterfinals or I think make the bottom, uh, make the forefront in the bottom half. So it's, it's very unlikely in this event, but then again, we fought so at the US Open, right? And we had to, we actually had to record in two weeks time, uh, like the, the finish of, of the draft pick because there was uh, there was this crazy Oteran and who else someone else Van der Zandschulp of course yeah yeah so that's what we're going to finish at anyway uh, we're going to see you next week to discuss the event the events in Forley and Concepcion maybe ninety percent well, the uh, the draft pick as well uh, so thanks for listening and see you see you later bye. 
hope all of you listeners enjoyed another ATP Challenger and Grand Slam qualifying-focused episode from hosts Damian Kust and Jakob Bobro. A huge thank you to them, as always, for their contributions to our team. I say it every week. I sincerely mean it each time. You are not going to find two people further ensconced on the ATP Challenger beat than Damian and Jakob. Hoping to get Jakob on the pod shortly. Obviously, I've been fortunate enough to have Damian a bunch over the past couple of weeks. And again, you can find them every Monday here on the Great Shot Podcast feed from can read from Damien in a bunch of different places as well. With that in mind, just want to repeat it one more time. GSP Ace of the Day segments here each and every day offering picks for the 2022 Australian Open recaps every day over on our Mini Break Podcast feed as well. If you miss any of our content, you can catch up on it all on our website, crackrackets.com. Of course, like, rate, subscribe, review to this show, the Mini Break, Cracked Interviews, and our YouTube channel to ensure you don't miss out on anything. Of course, if you need the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, we are at Crack Rackets. You want to message me directly, I am at A.L. Gruskin. A shout-out, as always, to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the f*** of an editing job he does day in, day out. With all of that said, for our fantastic hosts, Damian Kustin, Jakob Barbaro, super producer Daniel Westoff, and all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. Hey, great shot, and we'll talk to you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.